sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. A man or a woman must always be presumed innocent unless and until proven guilty. And with that, I must state that you, sir, under historic scrutiny, were proven innocent. I am optimistic about the future of America and the future of our independent judiciary, the crown jewel of our constitutional republic. As a justice on the Supreme Court, I will always strive to preserve the Constitution of the United States and the American rule of law. The U.S. is strong again, and the U.S. is strong in a way that should make all Americans very proud. It's a great day in the United States, and I'm proud to have been part of the team. Thank you, Mr. President. It's been an honor of a lifetime. And now, Stacey Washington. Welcome to the program. I'm so glad to be with you. I think um, now is a good time for me to give a little, uh, what do you call those, uh, advisory notices, if you will. So I've talked a lot about my parents. My dad was in the Army. My mom worked for the federal government. And so I grew up in a household where there weren't a lot of punches pulled. And by that, I mean there was, there was civility. My mom and dad really had a strong sense of not just what's right and what's wrong, but proper decorum and good behavior. But my dad was an army man and, you know, military policeman at that. And if you've ever been around military policemen, you know that they're the closest thing that you have to the, the entryman, infantrymen and the military police are the, the kind of the, they're the rough guys. They, they see all of the roughest things. They see all of the crime. The military police see all of the crime that soldiers commit. Um, they have to arrest other soldiers. It's, it's a tough, tough job. And they know about all of the misconduct that soldiers uh, engage in. And then you have um, the fact that my father went to Vietnam and he served there. He was actually injured there. And, and you know, so he's, he's my dad is not someone that I would consider to be you know, um, he, he's the opposite of President Obama, if you will, someone who's genteel and, you know, only only ever gets upset if it's convenient and, you know, is always righteously indignant and all that stuff. No, not not my dad. And so I grew up in a household where, you know, real talk was was normal and there weren't any punches pulled. You, you just it's just straight up. This is what it is. Here it is. And so in some ways, when I hear President Trump talking, you know, a lot of the things that, that he has said in the past that have offended people, it's because of the coarseness of the language that he's using. But growing up on military installations and then serving in the military myself, um, there are multiple tens of millions of Americans who communicate in that way. And so rather than be offended by it, I try to listen for what he's saying because there's a point to it. Surely there's a point because he's, you know, he's taken the time to, to speak on something. And this comment about these countries, the S-hole comment, has so offended so many Americans because they're focused on what they consider to be an insult that the fact that he told the truth is it's just flown over everybody's head. The fact is, and, what, and David Mamet describes this so perfectly in his book, The Secret Knowledge. In his book, The Secret Knowledge, one of the chapters, he describes how he spent a lot of time during his career in Hollywood and, and his time uh, you know, in academia 
around people who have these flowery linguistic poems about certain countries around the world. And they always say that all cultures are equal. But his test for that was to always ask them, let's say America has been completely and utterly destroyed. And there is one flight, there, actually there are two flights leaving. And every American has to decide they're either getting on the plane to Western Europe, to, to Europe, it's now Europe now, no more Western Europe. So they're getting on the plane to Europe. Or they're getting on a plane to the Middle East. Which plane would you take? And so, of course, you know, my answer to hypotheticals is always, I don't deal in hypotheticals. But the fact is, deep down in my heart, whether I'm dealing with hypotheticals or not, I know I'd, I'd rather go to Canada. I'd rather go to uh, Europe. I'd rather go to Australia. I would not want to go to North Korea or to the Middle East, any part of the Middle East, or to... um the continent of Africa. And yes, there are civilized, well-developed countries in on the continent of, of Africa. There are beautiful places to visit and to vacation on the continent of Africa. But I mean, where exactly is the plane landing? And and am I am I going with security or is it just me and the kids? Do we get to take our firearms? I mean, what what is what are the the situation here? If it's just me and one suitcase and I'm I'm taking the first thing smoking and you know, my husband and the kids, I'm going to want to go to a westernized country. There's a reason for that. And so it, it to me is so fake and unreal when I hear people say, well, the thing is, all countries are equal. All cultures are equal. No, they're not because you're not living in one of those other con- cultures, are you? You're not currently considering emigrating to El Salvador or Haiti. And God bless the people who live there. This isn't about denigrating them. It's about saying that, yes, one thing is better than another. You know, a 26 ounce of your favorite drink is better than a 16 ounce of your favorite drink. You know, a loaded gun, if you're in a, in, a, in, in a dark alley and you see a group of really burly looking dudes coming at you and you're alone, a loaded gun is better than an unloaded gun or a pen. You know, there are things that are better than others. And the idea that's simply saying we have too many people coming into this country from unvetted you call them whatever you want, countries. Somehow people have to get triggered about that instead of acknowledging the bus uh, crash in New York. You guys must have heard about this. You've got this extended stretch limousine and it barrels through a stop sign at 60 miles an hour and kills two pedestrians and all 17 passengers and the driver on board are killed. Now that we're looking at who these people are, not the victims because the victims are obviously victims, but the owner of the stretch limousine place cited many times for violations, hails from the country of Pakistan, came into the country illegally, but was still able to become a citizen, has been involved in other scams and schemes, should not have owned a business where he's renting out vehicles. Now, does that mean everyone in Pakistan is a horrible person or that we don't have great Pakistani immigrants here? Of course not. But this matters. One culture doesn't value the rule of law, licensing, doing things that wouldn't endanger the lives of your customers. And one culture does. One culture is clearly better than the other. And so I'm I'm not making a judgment call on whether or not the president should be castigated for his continued use of profanity. That is a personal issue for him. 
he's the president of the United States. And it is my job to ascertain whether or not the statements he's making are true. And so for the country's statement that he made, that we're receiving too many refugees from these countries, that is true. That for the, the statement that he made that derided those countries for being, you know, not, not great places to receive immigrants from in large numbers, true again. Now, if that hurts feelings, that's not actually my fault. Remember, the spirit of offense resides with the person who's offended. So if you are offended or if I am offended about something, let's just put it on me. If I hear someone saying something on the radio or on television and I am offended by it, it is my problem. Now, it could be that what they said or what I saw on television was truly offensive and it shouldn't have been there. That could be. But the choice to be offended by it is mine. And that is something that we really need Americans to grow up on. People are going to say things that we don't like. The question is, why don't you like it? Is it that it offends you because you don't like the person who's speaking? Is it that you don't like what they said because it has the ring of truth to it and you've been saying something different? Or is it because it was truly offensive and should not have been spoken? And, and that's up for debate, really. If, if people are going to leak things that are said in private meetings, then they're probably going to, in, in leaking it, it's because something was said that was incendiary that could make the news cycle, which means everyone who was triggered by it was manipulated. And, and that's a whole nother segment about people intentionally manipulating the public to get a reaction that they want and people who are in the public allowing themselves to be intentionally manipulated, giving credence to these people who are manipulating you. Manipulation is a sin. In the Bible, it is a sin. And what I find most offensive about the comment about the countries is not the comment itself or that people think it's untrue, but that people allowed themselves to be manipulated into thinking that, number one, the president's a racist. And number two, that what he said about those countries isn't true. So take from that what you will. I know it just people just get so upset whenever Donald Trump tells the truth about something. And, and the, the response is always, well, he's lying. Well, he's not lying. And anyone who thinks differently, please show me your, um, your stub from your plane ticket for your reservations for, for your next vacation in Haiti, El Salvador, Sudan, really anywhere over there. Show me your, because if you show me that you vacation there and you spend a lot of time there and that you find it good enough for yourself, then I'll believe you that, um, that, that the statement was untrue. And yeah, but otherwise, you know, that, that's your problem, not my problem. I mean, not even close to my problem. So quickly, this votecommongood.com, I mentioned it yesterday. And I, I got to tell you, I never cease to be amazed by the lengths that liberals will go to to try to legitimize their failed experiments all over, you know, the inner cities, as we discussed with Diamond and Silk last hour. Everywhere you look where liberals are in charge, it's failure are us, failure city, the bullet train to failure, failurama, whatever you want to call it. So you've got votecommongood.com, votecommongood.com. Let me tell you what it says on this website, because I just, I was like, uh, you know, some people have no shame. Some, some people actually are out to do evil and they're doing it 
and the rest of us, I guess we just have to, what, what are we to do? Just, I guess, fight back. We have to tell the truth about what they're doing. So votecommongood.com says flip Congress for the common good. There's something we can do, and November 6th is the way to do it. Vote Common Good is barnstorming the nation, inviting Christians to flip Congress by voting for the common good. Join the movement. Now, you might say, okay, well, flip Congress for the common good? So here's some of the people that they say are the tour speakers and musicians who are helping to shepherd this movement. Nadia Boldsweber, Christy Berghoff, Frank Schaefer, Vince Anderson, John Pavlovitz, Shane Claiborne, Brian McLaren, and Jackie Lewis. And there are some others um, on here. These are the captivating speakers. They say will be joining select dates of the national tour. They want to shift the national conversation from fear to faith and flip Congress for the common good. Now, if you're flipping Congress for the common good, and right now we have the lowest unemployment rate for blacks that we've had ever in this country, if we have all of these wonderful things that are going on in, in the country financially, that are lifting people out of poverty, that are changing the trajectories for families for generations to come, how could flipping Congress help that? Because if certain parties control Congress, what happens? We've already been told. Nancy Pelosi said, first thing they're going to do is repeal the tax cut and increase everyone's taxes. And then they're going to start implementing socialist policies. So exactly how does it help to make that change? So they have this what and why page. And on here, they say, we want to dislodge control of Congress from the Republican Party because we believe that this would most directly affect common good in our country. That's our chosen strategy for this midterm. For another election, we may have another strategy irrespective of party. I don't believe that for five seconds. We invite and help voters of faith, our brothers and sisters in so-called red districts, to rise up and vote the heart of our shared faith, faith in spiritual traditions, our country, and one another. Well, the Democrats are for same-sex marriage and for the elimination of religious freedom and the tax increases. I I can't get off that. Sorry. So how is a shared spiritual tradition, how, how does that involve redefining marriage or continuing abortion or, or any of those things? This is a false attempt to trick and dupe Christians into doing something that goes against the word of God. Again, I say to you, check the issues and the candidates, their stances, line it up with what God's word says. Google and Bing and DuckDuckGo are your friend. Make sure you're doing that before you vote. What if I told you that you could clean your family's laundry and help reach the next generation at the same time? That opportunity is here through a company called Redeem Clean. Every time you use Redeem Clean products, you help support the ministry of the American Family Association. In addition to your regular AFA giving, Redeem Clean laundry detergent allows you to increase your support of AFA just by continuing to wash your family's clothes. Redeem Clean products work as well as or better than other products on the market. They're environmentally safe, biodegradable, and they're made in the USA. And they were developed exclusively for the support of the American Family Association. For clean laundry and support of a cleaner society, it's Redeem Clean. Learn more, find options, and order Redeem Clean products at afastore.net. That's afastore.net. 
This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. In addition to my study of the millennial generation is my current research on the generation following them. Gene Twinge has given them the name iGen because their generation has always had digital devices like the iPod and the iPhone. They were born between 1995 and 2012. In fact, the leading edge of the iGen generation are now graduating from college. In many ways, they are different from previous generations, and here are just a few characteristics that Gene Twinge talks about in her book and articles. First, it appears that iGen is more focused on work than the millennial generation. A higher percentage of them are willing to work overtime to get a job done. That changed perception might have to do with the fact that they experienced the Great Recession a number of years ago. Second, the iGen generation is taking longer to work, drive, and date than previous generations. This will no doubt have an impact on their workplace. Twinge observes that managers who learn to be cheerleaders for millennials will find that they are more like therapists, life coaches, or parents for iGeners. Third, the iGen generation is not as confident as the millennial predecessors. Various surveys show that they are less confident about their career prospects. They have lower self-confidence than the previous generation at the same age. The latest generation also seems very concerned with safety. They have turned out to be safe drivers. They're less likely to binge drink than the previous generations. And they want emotional safety, meaning they want to be protected from offensive comments and conflict. Finally, they're obviously tied to their phones and social media. They're likely to socialize using their phones rather than getting together in person. And if we want to reach this new generation, we need to see how they are different due both to their social experiences and their digital devices. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. Take Kirby and the Point of View team with you on the go with the Point of View app. Search for Point of View Radio at the Apple or Google Play stores. You can watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the Right. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Hello. Welcome back to the program. Stacy on the Right.com, at Stacy on the Right on Twitter and Instagram. And you can head over to AFR.net and find out more about the fantastic work of American Family Association and American Family Radio of which this show is a part. So, so glad to be with you today. It's Tuesday. It's another great day to be an American. And also, if I haven't said it already, greetings from the heartland. And right now, it's my pleasure to welcome two of my good friends. Um, they're, they're fantastic women. They're getting a lot done in the movement. And they're speaking to audiences that before now were really probably not open to Republican Party politics. And on top of everything that they do, a, a streaming television show, weekly video updates, they're everywhere. They're at the White House. They're all over the country doing speaking engagements. They've now also done a documentary. So the sparks are flying off of my two good friends, Diamond and Silk. Thank you so much for joining the show today, ladies. Oh, thank you. Thank, thank you, you for having us. So I love it when y'all come on, mostly because I don't get to see you enough. The last time I saw you was at the White House for the... Uh, I think it was a diversity reception of some sort, and we uh-huh. were all there. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so that's the last time I saw you guys. Um, but now, so I, I saw some, I caught wind of this earlier on online social media, and I was like, yes, we must talk about this. So tell us, first of all, why are y'all doing a documentary at this point? What, what, what's going on? Well, we've been featured in a documentary. And the reason why is because, you know, we know that the president is joining the swamp. So now it's time for us 
to expose the swamp and expose the hypocrisy. That's right. When we look at these congresswomen running around talking about we have to impeach 45, mm -hmm. we decided let's go in her district mm -hmm. and let's see what she's trying to hide. Mm -hmm. Anytime you see a person trying to demean, disperse someone, disrespect somebody, let's see their sugar honey iced tea, what's mm -hmm. going on. And when mm -hmm. we go into some of these districts that's being ran by these Democrats, they're ran in the ground. A lot of these people are homeless. I mean, it's just it's stuff everywhere. It's just mm -hmm. it's a mess. It's a mess. It's Living a mess. In tents, Living no in tents. running water, yeah. defecating in the streets. It is ridiculous. It, it is a shame. It's Democrat-ran cities like this that's keeping a lot of American stuff. Mm -hmm. So what we're doing is we're giving you the truth with proof. We're not holding anything back. We're giving you the facts. We want you to go to DummyCratsTheMovie.com. It premieres in theaters nationwide. October the 15th, one-night premiere. So we want you to go and get your tickets so that you can see. See, it's best that you see instead of listening to sound bites. I want mm -hmm. you to go see what we saw. That's right. Okay, so first off, thank you for taking part in the documentary. I think it's, it's so important for us to have real-world uh, views of what's happening because the news media doesn't cover this. And, and I, I, I just... I'm going to just say it. I'm not I'm I'm tired of, you know, dancing around the issue. Uh, why isn't CNN reporting on the way people are living in these uh, Democratic controlled cities? MSNBC. Why isn't Rachel Maddow crying about kids living outside and not having, you know, indoor plumbing and things like that? Because children are impacted by this, too. It takes the two of you to join into a documentary with uh, I think it's Michael Savage and you know, to bring this to the forefront for everyone to take a look at. Why, why not the mainstream media? Why are they so silent about this suffering? Well, you know, they're part of the problem. Mm -hmm. You know, they're the ones around here. They're okay with pushing these uh, social, socialism ideas, resist ideas. Listen, they don't want our country to be on the path of winning. They make their money by us being impoverished, mm -hmm. uh, people Divisive. being suppressed, people being oppressed. Mm -hmm. So that's why they wouldn't dare report on it. But it's time for us to call out the hypocrisy. Listen, we pay, we, as the American people, pay these people tax dollars for them to go do a job for the American people. And when they're not doing their job, we have to call them out and we have to hold them accountable. And some of these people, it's time for them to be voted out. That's right. I'm, I'm with you on that. I, it, so we're talking about in St. Louis, you know, I don't know, 60 some odd years of uninterrupted Democratic rule in, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It's 109 years of uninterrupted Democratic rule. And, and in California, Republicans mm. can't get elected locally because the Democrats actually fixed it so that it's the top two vote getters. So even if you, ha you run a primary, you, you do all the work. If you're not the number one or number two vote getter, then you're not even on the ballot. It doesn't matter if you're going to lose anyway. What matters is that people have a choice. The people of California no longer have choices at the statewide and local level. They only have Democrats that they can elect. So that, that's a rigged system. Yeah, it's a rigged system. So that means you don't have any alternative ideas being presented. So, I mean, when you talk about this documentary and you guys went out in the streets, did you did you talk to any of the people who are impacted? Do, do they even realize that mm. the, the system well, that they're okay, trapped so in? Okay, so Stacey, he, let me tell you, girl. First of all, some of these people didn't even realize that Maxine Waters did not live in their district. They were unaware that she stayed in a $4.3 million mansion on a $174,000 mm -hmm. uh, salary, which is their tax dollars. They were unaware of certain things. We were able to talk to regular 
ordinary citizen mm-hmm. and bring them bring awareness to them and see we're tired of people just listening to sound bites. It's time to start call start calling out facts here and letting people see who's really running things and who's ruining things right. in our country. And some of these congressmen and women, they sit up there, they work for their own greed and not the meet need of people and they have ruined our country. And really some of these left leaning liberals are trying to put America on suicide watch mm-hmm. and we're trying to save America. And so Suicide Watch is this sudden rise of the Democrats reaping what they've sown, which is they've been sowing to socialism in public schools for 30 years. And now all of a sudden kids are coming out of American public schools, going to these colleges where they teach teach Marxism and they're coming out socialists like Mm Ocasio-Cortez and Bernie Sanders, everybody's granddad, which not the granddad you love, but the granddad that you would probably run from Bernie Sanders. So. When, when they're reaping what they're sowing and they seem surprised, Nancy Pelosi seems surprised by the popularity of Ocasio-Cortez and they're trying to tamp that down. But isn't that what they're, they've been waiting for? That's, that's what they've grown themselves. Right, the mm-hmm. oppression and suppression of people. Let's go back. All right, so you remember it was the Democrat, the left-leaning liberals that pushed the Jim Crow days, mm-hmm. oppress and to suppress people. Now you want to push socialism to oppress and suppress people. This is what they do. And when you mentioned the electrical college to uh, uh, Cortez or Ortez, whatever her name is, she probably going to think, oh, my God, I'll never send my child to that college. She may think it's a normal college. She don't, it's like she don't know her facts. She need to pick up a book and really read. Read. Mm-hmm. I cannot believe that she has a degree and she don't know certain things, certain things that she should know. Uh, but this is what they're pushing in our country. And if you all do not like the trajectory that our country is going in, the direction, you all need to take a look at all of this here. That's this right. is what these left-leaning liberals are trying to push mm-hmm. upon us. And that's why in this midterm election, she's going to have to get out, vote right, vote red, vote Republican. That's right. So let's talk a little bit more about when you were on the streets for the documentary, talking to people and really going into these communities. And I know, you know, you you ladies are so real. You go in and you do the kind of work that sometimes the retail politics uh, of individual campaigns it doesn't get that real. You 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 understand mm. what I'm saying. You know that it get, there's money to be spent, but it sometimes it's just the commercials and the door knocking is left to little teams of sometimes high schoolers and young college students. But there's nothing more real than having a grown up who's lived come to you and talk to you about your situation. What was the reaction as you were moving through these communities and talking about the real issues? Well, people were first of all they were shocked, but they appreciate the fact that even though we're yeah. conservative, we were able to come to the hood. We were mm-hmm. able to go right up to them and talk to them. You know, they appreciated that mm-hmm. because sometimes conservatives tend to shy away because they don't want to be called a racist or a misogynist, all of these dirty, nasty names. But see, the more they hate, the more we have to educate. So we went in the hood. We mm-hmm. talked to people. We talked to the homeless. We wanted to know what was going on. And it's time to hold Congress accountable. It's time for people to see what's going on. I know the left keep telling people to stay woke. What we're telling people to do is pay attention. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. And so that goes against the, the normal thing that people are told, which is they don't want to hear from us. What, what I'm hearing you say is people do want to be approached and discuss, you know, the, the living That's conditions right, yeah. or, or they want it. They want to hear information. Yeah. As, as long as you're giving them accurate information because people didn't know things. And it's time. You know what? Sometimes you got to cut off all that reality TV and stay focused here. 
and pay attention to things. People didn't know. They're just going on with their lives. They know that they can't pay their rent. They know that they're hair away from being homeless. But then you got the congressmen and women living high right. off the hog. Right. Not even living in these districts. Mm-hmm. How are you going to know the need of the people in your district and you don't even live there with them to experience anything? Right. So it's time for us to call this to light, put this on the table. Now, what are we going to do about it? What are we going to so, do about it now that we done brought up the truth? We done told you the truth with proof. We're giving you the facts. We're not holding them back. Now what are we going to do about it? Now what are we going to have to do? If they can't work for us, they're going to have to be voted out. That's right. So let's talk a little bit about how that dovetails in with the Trump agenda. So you guys were early, early Trump aficionados. Mm-hmm. You saw the the Trump train coming long before many of us did. And you've been there since day one. So now yeah. that we're two years in, and I mean, I, I have been stunned with the performance. I've been stunned with the economic prosperity, the cutting of the regulations, on and on and on in every area that he's been able to make a move. He's made a move. And in other areas, the obstruction comes from... Some of it comes from Republicans, a lot of it from the Democrats, but some from the Republicans. What do you see the never Trumpers doing going forward? I'm already seeing them, ladies, switching their tune after the Kavanaugh debacle. Now they're starting to realize, look, he's he's our friend. We need to get behind him. Where do you see them going from here? Well, you know what? I see them shaping up or shipping out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, I can't do this no more, is what I see. I see them straighten up. You listen, the president is straightening the swap. Either you can get behind us because I'm with the American people right. and I'm working for them, or bye-bye. But I, I really have to commend the Republicans because they really stood up for what they believed, mm-hmm. and they didn't fall like paper. You know, we became Republicans back in 2015, September of 2015 to be exact. And, you know, we noticed that the Republican Party, somebody called them a racist, they unfolded. That's it. It's, oh, I, I, they just get so scared. But no, when you're right, you fight. And you don't fight with your fist. You fight with facts. You give them facts and give it right back to them. That's and right. I'm glad when this thing happened with Kavanaugh that they finally stood up and fought That's back. Fact. And look, they won. And if you mm-hmm. ever want to know what's going on with the body of people, check out the head. You know, our president, President Donald J. Trump, is the head. He Look at him. Look at, at, at how he don't have a problem going toe-to-toe against the status quo and calling you right on out. And, and, and whenever you put something in front of him and think you're going to fight him with this, no, he's going to fight back. He's going to ask questions. He's going to call you out about that. And it's good to see the, the Republicans stand together instead of fold and go cold and mm-hmm. just sit there and say and shrivel up with the thumb in the mouth and say, well, we're not going to say nothing. It's time out for that. It's time out for us sitting around allowing the Democrats to run amok among, among this country and run this narrative that our president is a racist and these people are racist and that person is a racist. And then they want to go into this narrative about the white man. Mm, oh mm. my goodness! Oh, thank you, sister. You're welcome. Thank you. I, thank you. I, 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 I couldn't agree more. I feel a little uncomfortable. They talk about the white old Republicans. Uh-huh. Is who they're talking about? And what I would like to say to that is, instead of talking about the white 
old Republicans. How about talking about the white old Democrats, the ones that were slave owners and did not want slavery to end, that raped and abused the slaves? Uh-huh. How about talking about that if you want to talk about that? The people that wouldn't come to the table for civil rights. Uh-huh. Talk about that if they want to talk about something. Stop talking about white Republicans. Talk about the white Democrats. Yeah. Why don't you do that? Because it was the white Republicans that came to the table to uh-huh. abolish slavery. That's right. It's the Democrats uh-huh. that didn't want slavery to end. That's right. Not only that, it was the white Republicans that came to the table and wanted to make sure that the free slaves had citizenship. Mm -hmm. That's how we got the 14th Amendment. It was Mm -hmm. the white Republicans that came to the table and wanted to make sure that all people had the right to vote. Mm -hmm. So I'm so ticked off that they put this star on the Republican Party. No, 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 no. Don't put that star on that stench on the Republican Party because we're not Republicans. You put that where it belongs. That belongs on the Democrat Party. That's where that needs to go. And so you you put it so well. I, I'm I can't I can't add to it. My last question. We just have about a minute left. Um, and and I know you guys have a lot to say on this, but we're we're almost out of time. But I you you mentioned the Republicans standing together and and finally figuring out that when they stand together, they win. Mm-hmm. What 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 are you feeling right now seeing Judge Kavanaugh sitting on the Supreme Court? I've just been riding high. I've just it's just been so good. Where where are you guys? Are I I can you even believe it? I'm just so happy that they were able to, you know, hold on and, and get him there. Well, first of all, we never wavered. We really stood behind Kavanaugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I cried I with him, not her. Right. I believed his story it was so compelling. A man with an impeccable record. And for them to take the Me Too movement, politicize it, and use it as a weapon to weaponize that against him, to care to assassinate him, to, 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 to just, I mean, what they did to try to destroy a man in his name, his mm-hmm. impeccable record. So we stood with him from day one. I'm very happy that he's up there on the Supreme Court. And look out. I want everybody to look out because I see enough. All I'm going to say. That's yes. right. Anytime you fall asleep between sentences, yes, he's going to have another it's one. Be oh, yes. So true. So true. You guys are so, <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm just waiting. I'm, I'm trying. I've been, I've been like, Lord. Am I wrong? Because I'm ready. Yeah, I'm already yeah, ready. Listen, the writing is on the wall. Yeah. And if somebody is going to sleep between words, that's a problem. That's right. It <laughs> is. Listen, it I'm really not laughing is. at nothing at that. No, that is a problem. If I'm falling asleep between words, something's wrong. I don't need it to be is. doing that job for a lot long. That's right. It, it, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. And so we, we can expect more winning. And I oh, want to yeah, give everybody girl. the website, uh, dummycratsthemovie.com. I just went there. You guys go there. Get your tickets. Be prepared. Take some friends to the theater with you so they can see what's really going on in this country. We can turn it around. Diamond and yes. Silk, you girls, y'all have a fantastic day. God bless. And thank, thank you, you for your time God today. You. Love, you. love you guys. Love you. Thank you for coming on. Oh, those ladies just, they fire me up every time. I'm ready to run it right out and, and, and make some war in a good way. <laughs> All right. Listen, what we're going to do is we're going to go to break. And when we come back, we'll take your calls, 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. I'm Will Addison, Director of Urban Family Talk. We desire to be a movement of time tellers. In 1 Chronicles 12.32 it says, The sons of Issachar were men who had understanding of the time, to know what Israel ought to do. In these perilous times, God is raising up a people of discernment who will see, pray, and act. 
we sound the alarm as watchmen. We cry aloud that God's people may be activated for his service. Join the movement at urbanfamilytalk.com. Hey, have you called in to share your testimony about how God has been a blessing in your life? If not, what are you what waiting, are you waiting for? for? Sherathon is almost here. Stop whatever it is that you're doing and call 877-327-5647. God is too good for us to just sit there and not tell others about his goodness and his mercy. Simply call 877-327-5647. We can't wait to hear from you. Equipped with Chris Brooks. This program is an apologetic endeavor. What I want to do is really train you in the art and science of defending and commending your Christian faith to people who maybe they've been hurt by the church, maybe they don't believe like you believe, and you're saying to yourself, how do I have an effective conversation with them? Well, we're looking for an evangelistic edge, if you will, that will allow us to more effectively, more contextualize the gospel so that we can reach men and women for Christ. Quite often, the on-ramp, if you will, is looking at culture and taking advantage of the conversations that folks are already having and saying, how can I leverage this to get people to talk about Jesus? This show becomes kind of massively significant to you if your desire is to reach people for Christ. Get equipped with Chris Brooks. Join me Monday through Friday at noon Central Time on Urban Family Talk. Saving you money, I'm Linda Bell with the Fox Business Network. It's a big mistake to wait until you retire to get your finances in order. So says Len Heyduchok, CEO of Dedicated Financial Services. When we don't have the luxury of an excess cash flow, then our mistakes and our errors and our sloppiness becomes much more evident. Heyduchok explains what can happen if you don't pay off your mortgage before retiring. You have to cut back your spending or you're going to be running in the deficit and having to draw on your resources potentially more quickly than you might like. You may not be able to rely on family to take care of you, so don't forget to factor in the cost of long-term care. He says it's the biggest financial risk we face in retirement. Whether we have the financial resources or not, we need to think about the possibility of that happening and come up with a realistic plan on how to cover that event. Saving you money. I'm Liz Bell, Fox News. You can download episodes of Stacy of the Right from the podcast page on AFR.net or UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. It's weird. Last week, uh, Brian Kilmeade was harassed on the street by two Netflix employees who followed him all the way to the subway, then got onto the subway, and this is where it gets really bad and dangerous. They encouraged subway riders to harass Kilmeade. So it got almost to an unsettling, violent point where they were, get this, instilling a mob, get crucify him. That's what they were yelling. And I guess Netflix is the role of Pontius Pilate because they enable this sort of thing. The Democrats need to take the leadership role here and tamp down the rhetoric because you're going to end up, the Dems are going to lead their supporters to a Waterloo. You, if you're going to end up in a hostile situation, the side that can defend itself always wins. And you saw the McGregor fight where you saw these guys fighting and there were casualties. And why? Because you never know what a stranger can do. So when you're following a guy home and you're spitting on people, you never know who that person is. And that that is wisdom from Greg Gutfeld on uh, the, the five. They were talking about this awful, awful 
treatment of Brian Kilmeade. And, you know, there people have been saying how nice he is, what a kind person he is. But even if he was like, you know, the coworker that nobody wanted to sit with, he still doesn't deserve this. You don't deserve to be harassed for doing your job during the day on your way home after work. And so they're in New York where no one really has to worry about people being armed at large because very few people there have concealed carry permits. But everywhere else in the country, especially here in the Midwest, my advice to these unhinged, deranged individuals is to echo Greg Gutfeld and say, you don't know the person you're harassing. They might have been training on Krav Maga. They might, you know, have a, 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 a punching bag in their basement and they might be very, very able to deliver a beat down to you. And I'm not recommending that, but I am saying that self-defense is a right in this country. And it's one thing to incite a mob of people to say mean things to someone else. It's wrong. It should never happen. But you don't know if the people that you're inciting to this violent rhetoric will stop with just yelling mean things at him. How do you know someone you incite to yell at someone else won't then take it to the next step and throw a punch? And how many people are in jail serving time for manslaughter charges because they got in a brawl and punched somebody the wrong way and that person died? This is dangerous behavior and it has to stop. I just keep reading online on some of these websites where good people are saying, it probably won't stop until someone fights back and someone else is killed. God forbid. God forbid that that has to be where this goes before people come to their senses and shake it off. And yes, that's a Taylor Swift reference to her thinking she has any political opinions that we're interested in. I didn't half like her music before now that she's outed herself as a liberal. And really, she's just saying, I don't want half of the country to buy my music. And, and you know what I say to that? Okay, I'll oblige you. I won't buy your music. And nobody at this house will. Nobody who has any accounts that buy music will buy any of your music as long as those accounts are connected to this household. You're welcome, since that's what you want to do. So Mitch McConnell outlined the two most pivotal moments in the Kavanaugh accusation and how they really changed the direction of how things were going. And I thought this was insightful because he was in one of those like – uh press briefing rooms and it was a local TV avail. So it was the interviews by reporters that he knows well that have been interviewing him for decades and they're from his home state. And so here he is in number two. I'd rather not talk about security um, publicly, but I think the tactics were very helpful to me in unifying our side I think there were two things that inspired our people to confirm this nominee. One, presumption of innocence. There was no corroborating evidence. Number two, the tactics were designed to intimidate. Look, I, I know the difference between peaceful protesters and people who are trying to get in your face and try to intimidate you and scare you. I, you know, we've got a few experiences here in Louisville that you all have covered. I'm, I'm more used to it than most of the rest of my members are not subjected to that kind of thing. So I think those were the two things that really helped us succeed. And I think it was an important moment for the country. I know everybody doesn't see it the same way, uh, but that's the way I see it. And he's right. This is this sentiment has been echoed again and again and again. And so 
when you're when you're looking at a war, if you will, or you're you know you're debriefing an event and you're going back and you're kind of going over the high points, the low points, where it went off the rails, how do we lose, how do we get to this point? For people on the left side of the political aisle, it's instructive to listen to what he just said. It, at some point during the process of trying to destroy Brett Kavanaugh, they've now admitted that was their tactic, that was their aim. When they were working on doing this, they went too far. And in going too far, instead of working towards their own aim, they began to help their opponent. We've all been there. How many times have you been to a basketball game where someone that after halftime where they've switched baskets someone goes and puts the ball into the basket they were putting the ball into previously and then their team members are like what are you doing they helped the other team the points still count and so then that person is appropriately chastened and embarrassed and they don't do it again but that's not what happened here we saw a continuation of it. It was as if they said, we piled on a bunch of accusations on Herman Cain and he, he didn't make it. We got rid of him. So we'll just do the same thing with Kavanaugh and let's make each accusation more outrageous than the one before. We don't need any corroboration. We just need the accusations. What they weren't prepared for was that Americans have already hip to that game and they didn't have the wind at their backs. Now, I'm not the only one saying this. Mitch McConnell's not the only one saying this. You have a Democratic congressman saying this. He said Democrats went a little bit too far on Kavanaugh. It's number six. In general, uh, you know, we have to find a way to work together. And this back and forth between two parties in, in a continual basis, uh, that's part of the reform I want to see. Well, the Democrats, I thought, went, went a little bit too far. Uh, we're, we're supposed to ask probing questions. Uh, I don't like it. I never did like it. When people got out up there and pontificated time and time again about their position, this is supposed to be about a discussion back and forth between you and the nominee. And it is. And it wasn't. It, it's supposed to be, but it wasn't. And I think that's what was so infuriating for people. And so a part of this whole discussion is, you know, if if Democrats were really opposing Brett Kavanaugh because of his stances, then that means there's got to be someone that could be nominated that they would say, okay, you know, in our role of advice and consent, we could say this person is qualified and therefore could be seated on the Supreme Court. You know, the Republicans aren't going to nominate a Democrat. And so obviously it has to be someone who is more conservative. And so someone has to be able to be approved by the Democrats unless they're saying that the Republicans don't have the right to place conservative jurists on the court. I believe that's that's what they're saying. But Lindsey Graham went so far as to dare Chuck Schumer to show him one judge from Trump's list that he would be willing to vote for. It's number one. We were talking before we came on the air, and I see that you have a list of Mm -hmm. all the people that the president has said are on the list for potential nominees. Yeah. What's your point? Well, here's my point. This is a list that was compiled in November, but he actually put it out uh, during the campaign. There are 20-something people on this list. I'm asking Chuck Schumer, name five, name three, name one that would be okay with you. Brett Kavanaugh was a mainstream judge. I would have chosen him if I had been president. Uh, Bush supported him. Everybody running for president on our side believe that Brett Kavanaugh and Neil Gorsuch were outstanding conservative jurists. The other side wants to cancel the election. So, Chuck, you want somebody new 
Look at this list and see if there's anybody you agree to. But what you want to do, Senator Schumer, is to overturn the election. And you pick the judges. We're not going to let you pick the judges. If you want to pick judges, then you need to win the White House. When uh, Obama won, I voted for two judges that he picked. So Chuck Schumer, name one person on this list you think is acceptable. <laughs> I don't know where this Lindsey Graham has been all my life. But thank you, Lindsey Graham. Real Lindsey Graham? Uh, is this the real you? Will the real Lindsey Graham please stand up? Whoever this Lindsey Graham is, please don't ever go away. And also, thank you. Thank you, sir. I, you know, thank you. This is outstanding. I'm so glad that he's, that he's back. Thank, thank God. So, um, he's made a great question. Chuck Schumer will never answer it. Notice Democrats never answer. When you ask them a direct question about an issue, they're never going to answer you because they know they're wrong. They have to pivot to race. They have to pivot to something else you said. They have to pivot to some uh, generalization. They can't answer the question. Uh, and, and it's just universal. It just never, you just never get a straight answer out of them. They just can't. What, why, should, why would they bother giving you a straight answer when they can continue to harp on untrue statements? So Hillary Clinton, she and her husband are back. Her, they're doing a tour of some sort, a uh, listening tour, some kind of chatting tour where she and her, an evening with Bill and Hillary Clinton, that's what it's called. They're going to be running around the country enthralling people with their bad ideas and Hillary's already hacking her way across campuses across the country. She's been coughing and, you know, all that jazz. And I got to say, it's like, you know, what? What, Hillary? You So instead of just staying home when you don't feel well, she's out and about. And also, there's all these pictures of her. She's got something on under her clothes. People are calling it a back brace. I don't think it's a back brace. I think she's wearing a bulletproof vest. And, you know, they make better bulletproof vests than that. They make the ones that are that work but are also not as bulky. And with all the money she's got, she should be able to get her hands on one of those. But regardless, um, it, you know, she's back. I know your face has got to be just like, if you're listening to this you're, you, and, and, and you're in your car, you're at home, whatever you're doing, live streaming, whatever, you, you, your face has got to be just like, what did she say? I, I'm sorry. I'm apologizing not because I have anything to do with the Clintons, but because this is the kind of news that I really don't like to report. I've been hoping for just years now that the Clintons would go into retirement and only appear occasionally like the Bushes. Um, the Bushes seem to be so happy. I've not been happy with George Bush's comments on immigration, but he is very, very, very much a rhino on immigration. But I've, I've at least respected the fact that he and Laura, they've done so many other kind of fun things. He's done the Wounded Warrior Project. He's done those, uh, it's like a triathlon that Wounded Warriors do where they travel across the country. They, they ride bikes, they swim. They, it's just an amazing feat to watch these guys. Some of them, they have limbs missing from combat and he goes right with them. And George Bush is no spring chicken, but he gets right out there with them and rides bikes for three days and he camps out with them. I mean, real camping, no showers, no cabins, none of that stuff, just camping, staying outside and, and hugely, you know, hot, hot temperatures and spending the night and cooking out over a fire and, and just getting that camaraderie going. He also took up painting. And I'm only highlighting these items because, 
you know, Hillary Clinton could do these things, too. She could take up these kinds of hobbies, too. She doesn't have to spend time around Bill Clinton if she doesn't want to. It's a free country. She could do whatever she wants. In fact, she could take the hidden heart, the cry of the hidden heart Bible study, and she could revamp she and Bill's marriage and they could spend their twilight years together rediscovering the thing that they never had, which was a good marriage. I mean, there's so much that they could be doing besides continuing to plague the American people with their presence and their inane statements. And so I just I just warn you, she's back out making comments about, of all things, someone who's been accused of sexual assault, Brett Kavanaugh. She's talking about that with a straight face as if her husband didn't pay damages to women that he sexually assaulted, as if her husband wasn't impeached for lying about a sexual relationship with an intern in the White House, as if she didn't man and control the bimbo eruption squads of private investigators used to tamp down on accusations by women who'd had relationships with her husband. But she's going to come out and talk about Kavanaugh? I know. I know. Again, apologies. My apologies. She's never going away. And I just keep wishing for it. And, and you know, I mean, I'm a human being, too. I, I just wish she would. Her and Bill and Chelsea, all of them. There's, they have so much money. I think that's just maybe that's what I can't understand. Having that kind of money and not finding something to do besides going around and talking about politics. And I'm not saying that I only do you know, political talk because I don't have the money to do anything else. I, I'm, I'm doing this because I love doing it. But I also know, like Nikki Haley said, when it's time to quit, you have to know when it's time to quit. It's an honorable thing to say, it's quitting time, going on to do something else. That is totally an honorable thing to be able to do. And um, don't you just wish that Hillary Clinton would like bump into Nikki Haley and they would chat and Hillary would be like, wow, so you're stepping down just to take a break? Maybe I should do that. And then Nikki Haley would be like, you try it. You'll probably be happy. And then Hillary would go, yeah, I've never been happy. And then she'd say, I'm going to try it. And then she'd tell Bill and he'd say, oh, about time. Yeah, I'm with you. And then they would just stop coming in public. And I'd be so happy. <laughs> All right. Good night from the heartland. God bless. <laughs>